Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us today. Brand new week, brand new opportunity to give thanks to the Lord for all that He has done. And so for the next couple of days, we're going to actually spell out the word give thanks. Give thanks. And you know, as I'm recording this broadcast, we have just heard the terrible news of the shooting in the Walmart store right there on North Battlefield Boulevard in Chesapeake. And our prayers go out to all of the families who have lost loved ones. And this is a terrible time, but we know that our God is greater. And I'm praying that out of the ashes of this disaster, that God will bring about His glory and that souls will be saved and added to the kingdom. You know, we are blessed to have the opportunity to know why there is evil in our world today. It's a blessing to know where it comes from. It's even a bigger blessing to know what is the solution for evil. You know, God gave us this thing called the free will of volition. We were born with the opportunity to make choices. And we have the opportunity to have a free choice. You can choose to do anything that you want. You have that opportunity. You have that freedom. But what happens when you make bad choices? There are always consequences for our choices. And today, I want to make a decision. I want to decide to give thanks for everything that God has done for us. We are told, in everything, give thanks. And I noticed Paul didn't say, for everything, but he said, in everything. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. Maybe you're questioning, why did this tragedy have to happen? I want to encourage you to give thanks in the middle of tragedy, not for the tragedy, but in the fact that God is with us. And as we spell out the word give thanks over the next couple of days, it is my prayer that it will lift up your spirits. Well, before we get too far into the broadcast, I know that this is a very serious subject, right? We're talking about giving thanks, but I do like to always try to lighten the mood and encourage you to think about life also from the humorous standpoint. And so here's my dad joke today. Why didn't the turkey eat dinner? Well, he was already stuffed. (laughs) As a matter of fact, my dad jokes are so bad. My family told me to stop telling Thanksgiving jokes. But I told them, you know, I just can't quit cold turkey. And that's even worse, that bad joke. But you know, when we gather around the table and we give thanks, and maybe somebody will say, hey, before we eat, Let's all share one thing that we're thankful for. You know, that's kind of been a tradition in my family. It was started by my brother-in-law many years ago, and he would give us each three kernels of corn. And before we would give thanks for the meal, we'd have to give three things that we were thankful for. And I remember that tradition. I, and I remember I was just a young guy then, and I got thinking about that. I said, man, let's hurry up and eat. I'm starving to death. Then it hit me that I was so concerned about taking care of my selfish desire uh, to feed myself on that turkey and that stuffing and that beautiful Thanksgiving meal uh, that I oftentimes missed the opportunity to give thanks. Well, today, I want to give you 10 reasons to give thanks. And over the next couple of days, by the end of the broadcast on Wednesday, you will have all 10 of these reasons to give thanks. And we're going to spell out the word give Thanks. Now, I do that because that will help me to remember these 10 reasons why we should give thanks. Now, you know the word thanks, uh, just the word thanks or the word thanksgiving is found over 100 times in the Bible. Now, the first time we see this word thanksgiving, it's found in the book of Leviticus. 
and its use of a festival. So Moses ordered his people to give a thanksgiving offering, and it actually was turned into a festival. And I won't give you all the rules and the regulations as to how they were to carry out this thanksgiving offering, but I want you to know that Moses realized that when people stop giving thanks, they start complaining. Uh, Did you get that? When you stop giving thanks, you start complaining. And so if you find yourself complaining a lot, it's because you have stopped giving thanks. You have stopped offering thanks. And that word thanks, giving, means thanks, Lord, for giving. Give praise to God for the gifts that he has given us. And so first of all, as we spell out this word, give thanks, the letter G stands for give thanks because God is always good and he's always loving. This is what it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And then Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, So we put these two verses together, and we're learning that we should give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His love endures forever. Uh, You know, before I was born, God's love was present. While I'm alive, God's love is present. Even after I die, God's love endures forever. There was never a time that God's love did not exist. God is love, and love is God. And I know that God exists because I see His love. I see other people and the love they have for me. And because love exists, it is a proof that God exists. You see, without God, there would be no love. And so maybe this morning, we need to just remind ourselves of God's wonderful love for us. You know, a true story is told of a man who was just depressed and so discouraged. His wife had recently left him, and he just felt completely depressed. He had lost his faith in other people, lost his faith in God, and and even lost his faith in himself. He had no joy in living. Well, one rainy morning, this man went to a very small neighborhood restaurant for breakfast. Although there were several people there at that little diner, not one person was speaking to another. Our miserable friend is hunched over, sitting at the counter, stirring his coffee with a spoon. In one of the small booths alongside the window, there was a young mother and a little girl. They had just been served their food, and when the little girl decided to break the sad silence by almost shouting out to her mom, saying, Mama, why don't we say our prayer here? Well, the waitress, who had just handed their plate of food, turned around and said, Well, sure, honey, we can pray here. Will you say the prayer for us? And so she turned around, the waitress did, and said to the rest of the people that are in the restaurant, Now everybody, bow your heads. Now surprisingly, one by one, the heads went down. That little girl then bowed her head, folded her hands, and said this prayer, God is great, God is good, and we thank Him for our food. Amen. That prayer changed the entire atmosphere. People began to talk with one another, and the waitress said, you know, we should do this every morning. You know, all of a sudden, our sad friend said, my whole frame of mind started to improve. 
From that little girl's example, I started to thank God for all that I did have. And I stopped majoring in all that I didn't have. I started to choose happiness. Listen, God's love endures forever. His goodness endures forever. That ought to give us a reason to celebrate. That ought to give us a reason to praise Him. You know, because God has given us a choice, sometimes we choose not to be thankful. But you know, God's creation never loses thanks for God. I'm going to give you an Old Testament passage in the book of Job. And you know the story of Job. And every time that I start to feel kind of depressed, I start reading the book of Job. And I realize that my life really is not that bad. I'm pretty much blessed to have all the blessings that I have. But when Job was going through a difficult time, his friends came to him, and, and, and Job, I think, was starting to slowly lose that desire to give thanks. But then Job said, in Job chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, he says, But ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky, and they'll tell you, or speak to the earth, and it'll teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you. And then he says, Which of all of these does not know? that the hand of the Lord has done this. In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Job says, listen, all of God's creation, they know that the hand of the Lord created them. They know that they have life and they have breath and all of mankind has breath because of the goodness of the Lord. Oh, I want to challenge you. God's love endures forever. Let's give thanks to him. He is the creator and the sustainer of all things. So we've learned, first of all today, that we are commanded to give thanks to the Lord because he is good and his love endures forever. Well, letter I, we should be giving thanks to the Lord because we have an inheritance in heaven. Isn't this wonderful to know that when I die, that's not the end of me. When I die, I will leave this earth, but my soul, the real part of me, goes to heaven. And in heaven, I have a wonderful inheritance. This is how Paul explained it in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 28. Therefore, he says, since we are receiving a kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now that last little phrase, our God is a consuming fire, it almost seems like it doesn't belong in that passage because Paul is talking about this inheritance that we receive and that we should be thankful that we have this inheritance in the future and we ought to be worshiping God with reverence and awe. And then he says, God is a consuming fire. Well, he adds that little phrase, I believe, to remind us that there's some people who don't have an inheritance in heaven. Instead, they're going to experience the consuming fire of God, the judgment of God. But let's look at this inheritance, okay? I'm so thankful. God has provided the righteousness that we need so that we can gain this inheritance. We receive this righteousness through Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on that cross for our sins and the sins of the world and the sins of all who would believe in him, in one act, Christ mitigates God's wrath. In other words, the wrath of God that should be upon me was placed upon Jesus. And I, instead of getting God's wrath, 
I get an inheritance. I gain the perfect righteousness of Christ himself instead of the wrath of God and the punishment for sins. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul puts it this way. God made him, that's referring to Jesus, Jesus who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Now, Jesus didn't become a sinner. The sins of us were placed upon him so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, all of God's wrath was poured out on Christ so that those who belong to him, we don't have to suffer the fate of the wrath of God. Paul tells us in Hebrews 10.31, it's a terrible and a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. But we don't have to fear that consuming fire of God's wrath, for we are covered by the purifying blood of Jesus Christ. And now maybe a wonderful way to keep this in right perspective, this inheritance in heaven, let us give thanks for the future inheritance that we have in heaven. Let's imagine that you inherited $1 billion. $1 billion. Not $1 million. $1 billion. And you decide one day as you're getting ready to take a trip, you know you've got this inheritance and it's secure. It's set aside and you have it. You can tap into it anytime you want. But you get up one morning and say, well, I'm going to take a trip to celebrate this inheritance. And so you put three $100 bills in your wallet. And you get in touch with somebody to give you a ride to the airport to take this wonderful trip. And I use this illustration in our church. And and one of the guys in our church is actually an Uber driver. And I said, okay, you make arrangements. And Greg comes and picks you up. And he gives you a ride to the airport. And you pay that fare online. But when you get to the airport, uh, because you have this wonderful inheritance, you take out your wallet and you give Greg a $100 bill. And you say, thank you so much for the wonderful job you did in getting me here to the airport safe and sound. Here is $100. And you hand it over to him for a tip. Well, later on that day, you look in your wallet and you find out instead of having $200 bills left, uh, you started the day with $300, you gave $100 to Greg you discover that there's only $100 bill there. And so either you dropped it somewhere, or maybe you gave Greg $200 bills. Maybe they stuck together, and you're not sure what exactly happened. Now, let me ask you, what are you going to do? Are you going to get upset about that? Are you going to go to the police and say, hey, I want you to track down that Uber driver, Greg, and ask him if he had received that $100 bill from me? Uh, Are you going to have an all-out search party? Are you going to do something to find that $100? No, you're not. You're a billionaire. You're not going to worry about that. You're going to shrug it off. You lost $100. So what? You see, you're too rich to be consumed about that kind of loss. Well, this week, somebody's going to criticize you. Somebody is going to say something to you, and you're going to feel less valuable. Uh, somebody's going to do something to you and and you're going to feel that loss. But what are you going to do? Listen, if you're a Christian, this little setback, this little disruption is not going to rob you of your contentment. You're just going to shake it off, right? You're not going to shake the fist at God and, and, and toss and turn all night. Are you going to say, listen, I, I'm a billionaire. I, I am loved by the God of the universe. I have an inheritance in heaven. I, I'm going to submit 
to him. I'm not going to worry about this because I know how truly rich I am. You know, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will never have to worry about experiencing hell. As a matter of fact, followers of Christ, the only hell that we will experience is right here on this earth. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the only heaven that you're going to experience is right here on this earth. Can you imagine? This is the best it gets to be. This is all there is. You know, God has set eternity in the hearts of all mankind. And we know that we're going to live forever. 95% of people agree that when they die, there's something beyond that grave. Most people have no idea what it is, but as believers, we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I have this wonderful inheritance that he has given to me. You see, as a Christian, you're a spiritual billionaire, Uh, so don't wring your hands over losing a few hundred dollars. Realize that I am blessed beyond measure. Now, Peter describes this wonderful inheritance that we have, and he says that when you are born again, and this is 1 Peter 1, 4, that you are born again into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, or never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Now, did you catch the three things that he said about this wonderful inheritance? It can never perish. Oh, man, as I think about money today, uh, as I think about my 401k, it is going down in value. It is worth less today uh, than it was six months ago. What in the world is happening? My inheritance is perishing. My 401 is diminishing. But you know, I'm not so much worried about it because my hope is not in my 401k. My hope is not in the stock market. My hope is in Christ alone. And I have an inheritance up in heaven that will never perish. And furthermore, in the meantime, my God has promised that he will take care of all my needs. So Peter says, this inheritance in heaven can never perish, never spoil. You ever leave something out and, and it spoils? You forgot to put it in the refrigerator and then it gets that, that nasty smell. It's gone bad and so you toss it away. Uh, it's spoiled. Our inheritance is not going to spoil. Uh, it's not even going to fade, Peter says. It is kept for us in heaven. Well, we've already learned two wonderful reasons why we should be giving thanks. And number one is because God's love endures forever. And number two is because I have an inheritance in heaven. Number three, I give thanks because I have victory over sin. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 56 and 57. Now, this passage is a passage that generally we will read at a funeral because somebody has passed away and and will say, well, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful reminder, the fact that we are given victory over the power of sin. What does this mean? This means as believers in Christ, 
we don't have to worry about being enslaved by sin. You know, when you sin long enough, sin takes over your body. It takes over your mind. It takes over your actions. It controls you. If you walk in the flesh, you love the flesh, reap corruption. Uh, There is power in sin that sin can control us. But thanks be to God, as followers of Christ, through Jesus Christ, we have victory. So for a believer to say that I am out of control in my sin is really a lie. You have chosen to let that sin have dominion over you. But through the power of Jesus Christ, the power of sin is dead. He has eradicated that power in our life. Look at how First John talks about this. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So let me ask you a question. Where's your faith? Is your faith in the Lord who gives you victory, or is your faith in the power of sin? We have the victory over sin. You know, sometimes I have these really strange thoughts. And and I know those who know me well probably think I have a lot of strange thoughts. But the other day, I noticed as I was watching people, I I like to watch people, right? You go to a mall, watch people. And I guess you could say I'm a people watcher because people kind of fascinate me. I know we're all kind of the same, uh, but we all have our unique traits about us. And, uh, And so as I was watching people, I noticed that a lot of people, as they get older, their face begins to, to droop, and their smile starts to sag and turn it into a frown. Well, I guess your whole body kind of does that, right? I always get around. I said, you know, my, my chest has done dropped into my drawers, right? And uh, now I got this little bit of a uh, the midlife crisis, big belly going on. But I noticed that a lot of people, when their face begins to droop, what do they want to do? Uh, they want to get a facelift, okay? Let me pull that thing up. Uh, because I've got this natural frown because my face is sagging. So I need a facelift. Listen, you don't need a facelift today. What you need is a faith lift. Yeah, yeah. Encourage yourself to be lifting up your spirits by putting your faith in Christ, not in yourself, in Christ Jesus, because everyone born of God overcomes the world. That victory comes through faith in Christ. You know, as we think about victory, As you're listening today, maybe you're thinking, well, all this talk about victory, maybe I don't have to do anything to have victory. You know, God brings the victory, but we must prepare for victory. Proverbs 21.31 says, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. So we don't idly stand by and do nothing. I have a dear friend who used to always tell me, if you do your part, God will do his part. And that's true to understand that God has called us to prepare. I think about the armor of God. We're to put on the armor of God in preparation for spiritual battle. Don't go out unprepared for the battle. Don't go out without having your armor on. The horse has got to be ready for the battle, but God gives the victory. And so trust the Lord to give you victory, celebrating the fact that you have victory over sin. We have victory over sin. What a great promise that is. Well, there's something else that we got to look at. As we give thanks, we give thanks because God's love endures forever. We give thanks because 
we have this amazing inheritance in heaven. We give thanks and we should be giving thanks every day because of the victory we have over sin. We're going to stop right there and pick it up tomorrow in the broadcast, so please join me tomorrow. I want to close with one final verse, reminding us that victory comes from the Lord. In 1 Chronicles, David kept repeating a phrase, and then he repeats it again in the book of Psalms several times, and he says, victory belongs to the Lord. The Lord gave me victory. In 1 Chronicles 18.13, it says that David put a garrison in Eden, and all the Edomites became subject to David. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. And now David had to put the garrisons up. David had to be prepared for the battle, but he knew that victory belongs to the Lord. So today, let's celebrate the fact that we have victory in Jesus, uh, victory in Christ by having faith in him. So Lord, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be together as a broadcast family today. Thank you for the hope that you've given us in Christ Jesus. May we give thanks today for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.